Welcome, everybody, to episode nine of the NLF Insider Podcast. I'm Matt Chandick, excited to be joined again this week by super producer slash part-time co-host slash do-it-all media threat Mike Flanagan. And Daisy is also making an appearance today. I'm a Swiss Army knife, and, you know, if I'm a Swiss Army knife, Damie's a, Daisy's a, I don't know, I guess we'll call her a Spanish Army knife because she can just do it all. She looks great, though. She's the best. Uh, she hopped right up, made sure she started licking the microphone to get her takes, yeah, you know. Set the, tone, yeah. set the tone, get some bad takes out. That's what we're all about here. Is a take even a take unless you're just eating the microphone? I don't think so. No, I think I, I think you really just got to kind of own the, the microphone. Um, so we were going to have a special guest later on in the show, um, Express 2022 Attackman from Chaminade, and the number seven player in our 2022 rankings, Charles Balsamo. Um, he breaks down the upcoming St. Anthony's game with us, um, part, you know, talks a bit about his express career coming into Duke. So he was great and we're li- really looking forward to that one. But before we do that, just wanted to touch on a couple of things. Uh, one of the most, I guess we'll, we'll start with, uh, the number two versus number five game that I went to last week. And it didn't really look like a number two versus was, number five game. I gotta be honest with you. I just remember seeing your tweets. You're a lot, you're, you're updating like the scores and stuff. I'm like, are you, are you sure this is the five versus two team? Like, what's going on here? Well, and, you, mean, and he told me that their best player, Gonzaga's best player, was out. So, yeah, I mean that's that's really tough. Do I think Gonzaga beats St. John's even with James Madden in the lineup? No, he's really good. But you know, St. John's is a really special team. But I I don't think Gonzaga is that off from St. John's um, when they're playing you know full full strength and especially that's the first game playing without Madden. So it's going to be a little bit tough just kind of figuring out where guys go and, you know, who's playing where and, you know, who's going to be dodging and, and whatnot. So, um, but, you know, I, I will say it was, I mean, really, really impressed with St. John's is crazy. It was, it was six, two and a half. And I remember just saying, you know, I, I think this is about to kind of start rolling downhill a little bit. And the next thing you know, you blink and St. John's has put up eight goals um, and it just turned into an absolute route, <clears throat> you know, I wrote up the story. It's on NLFRankings.com. Uh, you can check out uh, standouts, game story. Got quotes from guys all over the place. Jackie Weller was a monster. Uh, Madlax kid who, who uh, is committed to Michigan, our number 34, 23, was 17 and 22 at the X um, and just kind of did whatever he wanted. Um, awesome face-off guy. You know, one of the great things is like he doesn't just rely on hand speed like a lot of guys do. Um, he's really proficient with his counters and his technique and he can do a little bit of everything, which I think is going to help set him apart. I know he was a, he was a big pull for Michigan. Coach Conry was happy when they were able to land him. Um, w- one of the guys that helped crack the game open a little bit, had two uh, man-up goals pretty much back-to-back from the same spot, was Luke Roa from the Crabs. He is our number 60-22. Uh, he's a Q's commit. I mean, that kid can absolutely sling it. St. John's has some really good talent all around. Um, tough to kind of figure out what you want to stop. But uh, leaving Luke Rowe open, not a strategy I would generally uh, advise teams to, but I'm not a lacrosse coach. So just take that as free advice. You know, I mean, St. John's attack line was ridiculous. Mac Haley insists he's a lefty. He had four righty goals and then two lefty goals. So six goals, is that good, Flano? I mean, last I checked, I'm not a math guy, but, you know, six is more than five. So, and five's good. Right, five are. is Five is and very good. And four with your offhand is, is really something. So um, he was very impressive. So was, um, you know, I mean, 
listen, pick a position. They're all awesome. It's ridiculous. There's not, I wrote about this in the story. There's not one spot where you're like, all right, we're going to attack whatever the D mids. We got the best, maybe the best D mid in the country. And if they, you're going to go after, after this defenseman. There's no defenseman to go after. And then, you know, we had him on the pod a couple of weeks ago, but big tasty Caleb Fiok in goal. Once you get past the sick defense, you still got to beat that dude. So St. John's is awesome. I'm really looking forward to seeing them play against St. Anthony's in a couple of weeks. That is, um, you know, if everyone can hold serve against some really tough uh, matchups, it, it's looking like a one versus two game, but a lot of lacrosse we played before that. Um, so interested to see how that plays out. And then the other game that really stood out to me was uh, Brunswick just absolutely beating the wheels off of Deerfield, which was a little bit surprising. You had told me, you know, you thought Deerfield was going to be really good, and I'm sure they are going to be, but I think it kind of speaks to how good Brunswick is. Yeah, and I think Deerfield's, you know, like you said, they're still very much in the figure-it-out stage. They lost a lot from last year. They brought in Matt Lazaro. They have a ton of new guys on their attack line. They're still sort of trying to, I think, sort of figure things out. But, yeah, I mean, Brunswick going up there and beating them, pumping them 14-4 to was – I didn't see that one coming. I don't think we talked about Brunswick last podcast, so we have to end that. Two, yeah. One is the official Brunswick podcast. This is the official Brunswick Bruins podcast. This is what we do here. <laughs> um, quick rundown of the of that game. I mean, you look at the box score and it's just everybody has one or two points and everyone's chipping in for Brunswick. But starts at the midfield. Our number two, 23, Leo Hoffman from 91 Long Island and, and a pen commit. Had two and two. Saw a couple of the highlights. Surprise, surprise. Nobody can stay in front of him. That guy's a freaking human highlight reel. And, um, you know, one guy that's really popping for popping off for uh, for Brunswick in the early going is Will Cole. He's, he had a sick uh, fall in, NLF fall invitational. He had five goals in Brunswick's first game. He had two and two in this one. Um, so I'm sure he's going to be in, you know, very high demand soon if he, if he keeps producing like this. But then, like I say, you look at, this, at the stat sheet, Tomas Delgado, number 723, Stodd, one and two. You know, Hudson Houseman, a five-star 24, two goals. Like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know how you're going to beat this team. And I don't think there's a team in the country that can say that they have a midfield that's even comparable to uh, to Brunswick. It's it's really something to watch. There isn't. I mean, they're from top to bottom. They're the most complete midfield that I've seen. I mean, I haven't seen them play in person, but just having seen and covered all these kids at, you know, whatever club tournaments or showcases, you know, that – it seems like every kid that's at one of your 1% showcases is starting for Brunswick midfield. Just saying. Very, 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 very pro Brunswick showcase at the 1%, a very pro Brunswick po- podcast. So um, coaches, if you're out there, our Venmo's are open. As always, we've said this many times, bribes are not only allowed, they are encouraged. So let us know. Um, but uh, big, big week on tap. I mean, speaking of Brunswick, they've got Lawrenceville, on the road next week and Lawrenceville seems like they're buzzing right now cleaned up on Malvern and Haverford recently and um, beat up on rival Hunt school a little bit. So I think that's going to be an awesome game. I think we're going to have some coverage of that I, I believe I'm headed to Chaminade and St. Anthony's my first time taking, taking that rivalry in. We'll talk to Charles Balsamo a bit uh, in a little bit, but you know, uh, Flynn, I'm, I don't think you've been, but I'm sure you've heard only good things about this one. Maybe you can, maybe we can get you to make the trip. It's it's on Wednesday. Let's pull you away from Harvard for ten seconds. I'll call Jerry Byrne. And, yeah, he'll love that. You know, just see if I can. Yeah, yeah, he'll love that. I'm just, see if we can borrow you for a minute. Um, but yeah, so very excited to to get uh, Shaman out St. Anthony's. I think you're going to see a ton of talent on the field. A lot of Express guys. A lot of Team 91 Long Island guys. I mean, it seems like 
I don't know, 90% of the starters on, on St. Hansen are 91 guys. And there's a lot of express guys on, on uh, Chaminade. So good little club rivalry there as well. Um, so really excited. You know, we're, we're going to be trying to get some more and more content. So if you got high, video highlights of some big games, you want to feature them on our site, send them over. Uh, we're going to be at games. Uh, Mass High School is picking up, which means Flano is going to be uh, – <clears throat> he's going to be writing stories, taking pictures, making highlights, serving dinner, filling up the Gatorade cooler, walking the dog, painting the back porch, uh, driving the team bus too, I believe is on your job description. It's actually, we've made a downgrade to a van, so it's oh, a little hard. Yikes. But yeah, yeah, yeah I'll tough. be doing a lot. I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, bouncing around the state going ISL, um, MIAA. I'm going to try to focus maybe a little more on the ISL for right now just because there's so many early season games against some of these big-name prep schools that I want to get covered. And then uh, the MIA run, runs deep into late June, so I'll get them plenty of coverage during the playoffs. Um, Does Mass play into the latest of any state? I feel like you guys are playing in like August. We were in July last year. July, like that's absurd. The Division Two state championship game was July, I think, sixth last year. It was wild. I mean, it makes a little bit of sense because you know, obviously, they got pushed back with with COVID and all that. But anytime you get into July with high school sports, what what are we doing here, guys? I know it's tough, and they're they're saying this year might go into July too, um, which which is like. Come on, like the, at this point, there's no necessary. There's no reason we should be going into July, two plus years into the pandemic. Like, no, nothing's getting delayed anymore. Why are we still doing this? But right, right. I mean, you don't want to be at a high school game when it's 99 degrees in friggin' July. That's just no. Just I'd, a fact. I would rather be at the beach or at the lake with my dog. Just saying. Um, and I'm, I'm sure Daisy. Daisy. Would rather, I'm sure Daisy would rather be at the uh, at the lake instead of sweating on the sidelines while I get, while I'm sitting there with a the camera. Um, <laughs> also, uh, go ahead. Just a quick note, um, quick ISL, ISL minute here. Rivers, ISL. Rivers is, I think the last unbeaten team left in the ISL. Everybody else has lost. Sebs has lost. Belmont Hills lost. Um, Noble's lost to Rivers for 15, 14 overtime. the other night. Um, did not see that one coming. Rivers, Hats off to you guys. That's that's an incredible accomplishment for them. I mean, I know they're only I think they're only like three and zero, but they beat Kimberly Union eight to four. I forget who else they played. I think I forget what their other game was, but they all they had a huge win last night against Mobiles, fifteen to fourteen in overtime, and uh, oh, that shocked baby. a lot of people. I saw that score. Yeah. I saw that score. You had mentioned Nobles was going to be a team to watch this year, and they—I mean, they still very well might be, but it's a lot of goals. Um, yeah. And for for Rivers to not only keep pace but but beat them is is an impressive early season win. Yeah, I mean Rivers has some really impressive um, midfielders. Brandon Poirier, as you would know from one percent. I can't believe that kid's uncommitted, man. He's he's got to be one of the best uncommitted guys in the country. He's really good. Yeah, he is, and he's he's mean too. He plays very mean. He can, we love mean. We love yeah. mean. It's a big mean guy podcast. Um, the big mean guy podcast. Yeah, he's um, he plays with an edge. You love to see that, and uh, you know, and I mean, if Rivers can keep this up, they could definitely be in contention for the ISL championship. They already have a key win over Nobles, and this year Sebs and uh, Nobles or Sebs and Belmont Hill only play once. So that, you heard good. it here first. He is guaranteeing a Rivers ISL championship. You heard it here first, Mike Flano Flanagan guaranteed it. I'm also guaranteeing lead a pipe lock. 
I'm also guaranteeing a Brunswick Rivers matchup at the uh, Geico Nationals. Just saying. <laughs> and now we're going to kick it over to our interview with Charles Balsamo, the number seven player in the 22 class uh, from Express and Chaminade headed to Duke. And we're pumped to be joined on the podcast this week by the NLF's number seven player in the 2022 class, an attackman out of Chaminade High School in Long Island and Long Island Express, uh, the Ch- coach Mike Chanchuk's 2022 team. Um, thanks for joining us, Charles Balsamo. Thank you for having me, Matt. Uh, just want to say thank you for all that you do for NLF and uh, you know the relationship that we've built. I appreciate it, man. Um, great to see uh, the, the Flyers are off to a hot start, 3-0. and I know you had a little tight one with with Iona Prep, but you know we you kind of alluded to it before the show. Good to get a, a tight game under your belt. Um, tell us a little bit about the team this year. I know a, a lot of obviously a lot of moving parts, and you, you you lost some really good players. Will Lynch is now at Notre Dame. Mac Rodriguez at Yale, and guys like that. So, um, what's it been like kind of taking over as you know your class being the senior leaders and you in particular? Yeah, so I've been fortunate enough to uh, be in the presence of previous great senior classes the 2020 class and the 21 class at Chaminade so they sort of laid the foundation for what it it takes to lead the Chaminade varsity lacrosse team and uh you know I'm very grateful and fortunate for those opportunities um this year particularly I'm super pumped about our team and extremely confident in uh what we could achieve this year uh as the senior leader or one of the senior leaders on the team I think that it's so important to eliminate any differences in grades or whatnot. You know, everybody's equal on the team. There's no senior this, senior that, or junior, whatever, sophomore. Um, as long as we gel as a unit, that's the most important thing. And this year, more than ever, I think that socially, the chemistry on the team is the best it's ever been um, at my time at Chaminade. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of showing, at least in the early going, you know, I know you had, uh, I mean, the first game, Ward Melville, correct? I mean, they're, they're always one of the better programs on Long Island, one of the better publics, and you guys tuned them up pretty good. Um, what was it like to kind of come out and get that win and not just get a win against Ward Melville, but a, a very convincing one to kind of start the season? Um, that was a very uh, a huge statement win for our team, not publicly, but for ourselves um, and our own competence, because, you know, obviously there's guys that, you know, look at, whatever rankings and whatnot there are. And I think that for ourselves, that was a huge win to go beat, uh, you know, a well-known public team, a public school team. And you have to sort of start the season off like that. It's huge, you know, getting guys involved, um, you know, just getting that first game out of the way and winning the way that we did is huge confidence booster and momentum builder as the season goes on. Now, by the time this comes out, you'll have already played Darien, so I'm not sure what that result will be. But big one for you guys in particular, at least, you know, especially with locally and, and rivalries, is next Wednesday against St. Anthony's, um, one of the best rivalries in the country. I'm sure you'll tell me it's the best. You've, you've obviously played in it, and the St. Anne's guys will say the same. What makes that rivalry so special in particular? I think because it's the hotbed, Long Island is the hotbed of lacrosse in the country, and the fact that two powerhouse Catholic schools play each other two to three times a year. You know, there's some bad blood, not just in lacrosse, but also in other sports. You know, I play on the soccer team at Chaminade and we play Anthony's. We beat them in the Catholic League Championship both years. Um, we beat them in the regular. Brag. <laughs> it's true. 
Um, hey, that's it. That's it. But, uh, speaks for itself. But, uh, you know, I think that it's sort of not only the school uh, rivalry, but there's, you know, rivalries that come off the field as well. So I think that when you get the best lacrosse on Long Island in one game, it just creates for, you know, an amazing atmosphere, both on and off the field. The last year you guys played three times, which you you know, probably will again this year, um, you know, split the first two and then they came out with a, a one goal win on the last one. I mean, knowing you and just kind of how you're wired and, and how you guys set the tone for the off season, I'm sure that fueled you uh, more than a little bit in the off season. So how, you know, how much has that loss kind of played into uh, motivating you guys and getting you guys ready for, for this year? It's definitely the main motivator for the season when it comes to, you know, looking back on things last year. Obviously, we have high aspirations for what we want to achieve this year, and that motivates us as well. But when we think on the past and what we can learn from, that's probably the number one thing. And I think as a senior class, my class particularly, with that you know sour taste in our mouth from last year, we're trying to relay that feeling and emotion to the younger guys on this year's team so that they could understand what's at stake. Something I'm really curious about for for Shamana this year, I've only seen you pretty much wear number one, um, except at Nike National last year. I know you weren't a big fan of the 35 number, but you've traditionally always been number one for Express and Shamana. And, and this year you come out, you're rocking 19. Tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of what makes that so special at Shamana, number 19, and and just everything that goes in with it, with, with Jimmy Reagan, who's um, a fellow Manhattan guy who went to Shamana, right? And, and also went to Duke, uh, which is where you're headed. So tell me a little bit about that what that means to you. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, now officially given the honor to wear 19 this year, I could, you know, say how surreal it is. Um, but, you know, the backstory is, for me personally, is I moved to Manhasset when I was around you know, four or five. And, you know, I was a soccer player at first. So going, moving to Long Island anywhere, you sort of got to play lacrosse to assimilate to the culture of whatever town you're from so to make friends I you know picked up lacrosse like whatever and you know when I would start you know making friends and whatnot they'd be like oh let's go to the Riggs Rock game you know Manhattan play Chaminade and I had no idea you know I just moved from the city so I had no idea but I'm like all right whatever and to see like that rivalry not knowing what Chaminade was back then or even what Manhattan was uh it's something that's stuck in my mind, you know, to this day. And it's the rivalry just to think that I was at that, those games as a young kid. And I get the opportunity now to wear 19 and on May 7th, go to Manhasset, play them in the Reeves Rock is something that uh, I'll cherish forever. And the honor to be selected as number 19 this year, it was one of the most humbling and, you know, grateful one of the most grateful opportunities I'll ever have because it's a vote that is uh, given out to the players to vote for that one sole leader. And it's also voted on by the coaches and for my teammates to vote me is really, I'm so honored. And uh, I plan on wearing that number very well. Now, I'm sure you had an idea that you'd be in the running for it, but until coach Moran, who's the man, by the way, but, in co you know, until Coach Moran officially tells you, it, it, you know, when that happened, what, what what went on through your mind? I was just so grateful. I mean, you know, last year, Vinnie Fowler wore number 19. The previous year, James Ball was number 19. Unfortunately, we didn't get to play that year, obviously. 
but just seeing those guys who are leaders um and me being in the same you know level as them looked at by their teammates and coaches was really humbling to me and I'm very grateful and uh even though I'm the one wearing 19 I think it's also important and this I had a conversation with someone uh a few days ago about it I think that everybody has to have a little bit of 19 in them on the team regardless of what number you wear because it's what we represent as Chaminade lacrosse players and I'll I'll be the one that spearheads it because I'm obviously wearing the number but I always challenge my teammates and try to relay the message that everybody has to step up into some leadership role at some capacity. Uh, Charles, switching gears a little bit to uh, the club scene. Um, I know you've been an express guy. You know, you've had a hell of a career with them. You scored the game-winning goal in 2019 and uh, win the title against Leading Edge. Just maybe can you talk about what it was like playing for Express and how their program helped develop you as a player? Express was the greatest thing to happen to me in my lacrosse career um in Manhasset we played from kindergarten to fifth grade in Manhasset whether it be PAL or Manhasset 32 and the thought process was keeping everything in-house so that was you know a great thing for me because I got to you know make a lot of friends in town and play lacrosse with them but once you know, we started getting a little bit older, realizing that, okay, we sort of need to branch out a little bit more. Coach Chan and Chuck took me and a, a handful of other Manhasset kids and recruited us to Express. And that was not only for myself, but also for my my teammates, the greatest thing that could happen because, you know, to be coached by Coach Chan Chuck is a one of the he he's my best coach that I've had and uh, I'll have, I'll forever be grateful for what he did to me as a player but also as a person. What was it like for I mean you met you mentioned kind of you know the Manhasset guys and the, guy, the one guy that jumps off the page right away obviously is Joey Terenzi and playing with your, you know your best friend and, and so many of those guys and being so competitive with Express and you know kind of uh, having so many talented guys I mean that had to make it a little more special it's not just you know guys from all over the island but but some of your best friends. Definitely. And I think that's one of the, the things that I've been so blessed with is that I get to play lacrosse with my my best buddies. And that's that's what never made it a job for me. It never made it an uh, inconvenience to go travel to Maryland, uh, an eight hour trip there and back or wherever else we had to go because I was going with my best buddies and we we're you know hanging out at the hotel playing you know, we're, we're competing. So it never, it's what I love to do. Uh, and I could say that honestly, because there was never a time where I didn't want to go because all my buddies are going, it's like, we're hanging out. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's really what it's all about in the long run. Right. Um, switching gears a little bit, obviously you committed to Duke um, maybe a little bit later than, than a lot of the big end, the high end 22s were committing. And obviously it was a little bit of a different recruiting time, but when you made that commitment, I thought you were going to a different school. So you know, a little surprised, but, you know, keeping us on our toes, but you had such a great group of finalists and some of the best academic schools in the country and some of the best, you know, lacrosse programs in the country. What kind of set Duke apart? Well, yeah, like you said, the recruiting process was definitely different um, in that, you know, that time because of COVID and whatnot. But I think that it's uh, really important to, for me, that I didn't rush the process and that I just did what I needed to do. So I had a timeline of 
one month where September 1st came around. I was like, I'm going to have my decision one month. And that's just how I operated. So I committed October 1st. And like you said, you know, there was, I was so blessed to, uh, you know, be recruited by some of the top academic and lacrosse schools in the country. And it was very tough to eliminate them because I, there were different times where I had, you know, I loved one school or I thought I was going to another school. And, you know, one day I was just, I was down to my last four schools and I realized that Duke was the place that I needed to go to because of the balance that I experienced when I went down there unofficially to by myself and my parents, you know, between the lacrosse program, academic excellence, and the just general student body that I was, that I observed, that all played into the way that I see myself fitting in a college campus. Yeah, and one more thing, I mean, how difficult was it to have to, I mean, you know, again, you had so many great options, right? You can't really go wrong, but how difficult was it to, to pick a school kind of almost sight unseen, right? You weren't able to get official or unofficial visits. You couldn't take a visit. You couldn't really interact with the coaches other than Zoom or talk on the phone and stuff like that. The, how much difficulty did that add to your process in the long run? It definitely made it tough because the coaches were also, you know, they recruited me very well. I think, you know, all the seven, I had seven schools going into the the recruiting process that I, you know, respectfully was like, these are the schools that I'm focusing on. And, you know, any other opportunity I get, I'm going to be grateful. And obviously, you know, respectfully say, thank you, but these I'm focused on other schools right now. And, you know, having to eliminate schools that, you know, other kids might be, wow, this is unbelievable. That was a tough thing for me because, you know, I could have, I, you know, I envisioned myself at some of these schools at certain points in my life or even during the recruiting process. So that was definitely tough, but those are the decisions that I had to make to, uh, you know, get to the one school that was the best fit for me, which was Duke. And thank you so much to Charles Balsama for joining us on the podcast. We also just got joined as well by Daisy the newest star of the podcast. Um, Charles seems to be a fan, which is always good. But Charles, thanks again for, for joining us and good luck to you and Shaman on the rest of the season. Thank you, Matt. Looking forward to seeing you at some of the games. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much to Charles Bostamo for joining us on the podcast. Uh, very insightful young man headed to Duke. I'm excited to see what he's got in store for Shaman this year and, uh, and Duke in the future. And on that note, Flano, thanks a lot for uh, this week's podcast. Let's do it again soon. Can't wait, man. Sorry about your Wolverines. Can't believe they lost in overtime. How do you have four of the top five picks and you lose? It's tough. It's tough. People forget, though, Big Ten champs football. Well, now, don't you tell me to smile.